generally speaking, I want you to eat more healthy fats. But there is a type of fat that I really would love you to avoid and reduce. And that's what we're talking about today. Welcome to The Good Goddess Show, a weekly podcast for women who are fed up, are feeling bloated and tired. I'm your host, Kezi Hall, holistic nutritionist and all-around health geek. Let's dive in to the show. Today on the show, we are talking about the fat that you need to avoid eating. Yes, avoid eating. Uh, it's all very fashionable right now to be eating more fats, and I am all for that. I often tell my clients to be eating more fats, but there is a fat that I would really love you to eat less of that can be promoting inflammation, belly fat, tiredness, poor mental health, low mood, just you feeling really rubbish. And it's really important that you know what this fat is and then can make really empowered decisions around those foods. This episode isn't to create fear around foods. I don't want you to be like, or to make you feel bad or to make these foods good or bad. This really approaches episodes of, okay, this is about biology. What happens to my cells when I eat this food? Do I want that to happen to my cells? Yes or no? And then make choices accordingly, okay? No drama, just facts and biology, <laughs> okay? Uh, and if you're struggling with inflammation, with fatigue, joint pain, any kind of ongoing symptom, bloating, these fats will not be doing you any favors. So it's why it's really important to talk about that. So that's what we're looking at today. So kind of juicy, juicy topic. Otherwise, uh, the sun is shining here as I record this and I'm on my final day of having my continuous blood glucose monitor in my arm which has been fascinating. I'll do like a whole podcast on this, but I've had 10 days of continuous monitoring of my blood sugar levels and it's been fascinating, so useful. Turns out there's still a bit of work to do for me. Thankfully, I'm not having any major spikes at all. I don't have blood sugar spikes, which is really good. There's not that uh, insulin resistance going on those kind of things, but I have had several episodes of um, blood sugar dropping, so that hypoglycemia, like where I just drop my blood sugar totally drops often after a meal. So it's kind of that reactive hypoglycemia going on, which I've seen a couple of times in clients, but it's hard. Like I had no idea this was happening without wearing this continuous monitor because I've done my, I used to check my fasting blood glucose and my postprandial blood glucose, but this is happening quite quickly after eating, which is interesting. So again, I'll talk about this more in future, but I suspect there's probably a couple of nutrient deficiencies and probably a bit more gut work that needs to happen because your gut does massively impact your blood sugar regulation. So in true Kezia fashion, I have been geeking the heck out on having this continuous blood glucose monitor. I've been loving it. It's I have an app on my phone. I'm just constantly checking in with what my blood sugar is doing. You know, everyone has their hobbies. This is mine. <laughs> you know, some people pick knitting. No, I pick like geeky health things, but I'm loving it. Also, we now have a home gym I use the word gym loosely, but our garage we've made into like a little workout area. We have a punch bag with boxing gloves, which honestly, I feel so much more emotionally healthy having a punching bag. So good for all that anger. I mean, if you, I wouldn't have said I'm an angry person at all, but you know, having three tiny kids is enough to kind of unleash the beast within, I have to say. So that's been super helpful. I can now just do what I've gotten up in the morning and had my sisters come around and we've just done workouts before the kids get up which is so fun seeing people and got got loads of weights so that'll be really that's 
super exciting. I've also been having loads of calls with people potentially about working together. So spaces to work with me are filling up as of recording this. And again, this is, this might not be the case when this goes live, but I have maybe one definitely have one, maybe two spaces to work with me for new clients. Um, so they've like been snapped up super quick because I did have five and I think those will probably be full by the time you listen to this. But um, so that's been fun just chatting to potential clients about working together and all of that sort of stuff. And also obviously just my existing clients. I had some lab tests back with a client who had been hypothyroid for a long time. So was on thyroid medication and all of these kind of things, but was actually feeling really awful despite being at quite a high amount of um, thyroxine. There's issues going on with iron and her periods and all sorts of things. So we just got her thyroid test results back. And obviously there's kind of, not obviously, but there is that antibody, um, thyroid antibodies going on as well, which she'd actually never had checked despite being hypothyroid for like 12 years. Um, So we had that. So we now know there's that autoimmune component going on. There was, uh, we checked in with her B12 levels and her folate and her vitamin D. Loads of those were really low. Um, It was, yeah, it's just really fascinating. So for for this client, even though she's taking really high amounts of thyroxine to support, her hypothyroid actually because there's this production of antibodies that is actually damaging her thyroid function so although she's getting this like supplementary thyroid hormone through the thyroxine she is going to be struggling because there's high amounts of antibodies going on damaging this plus taking thyroxine doesn't necessarily deal with your conversion of t4 to t3 and it's t3 that's the really active component that affects your mitochondria and your cells in the body so just because you're hypothyroid and you're taking thyroxine you can still feel exhausted if you're not also addressing this conversion problem that goes on within thyroid totally side issue but um so that's been fun I spent a lot of time talking to clients about that that nearly always comes up although it hasn't actually for a while I went through a period of time when every client I was chatting with had thyroid antibodies um and after the last couple of months it hasn't come up but do with this client so just going through lab tests and doing all that sort of good stuff helping clients figure out okay what is really going on why are you feeling rubbish and what can we do about it And it's so reassuring. I know for me and myself, actually just knowing, finally understanding, especially if you've felt crap for a while, actually beginning to understand why you feel rubbish, especially if you feel like you've been fobbed off or all your test results come back fine. It's so liberating to be like, oh, I'm not crazy. There's actually lots of just really boring biological stuff going on. So yeah, that's essentially been my week. Geeking out on my blood glucose monitor, chatting to people, chatting to clients, I'm punching my punch bag. (laughs) So before I ramble on anymore, let's get on with today's show. Hey, hey, hey. I'm interrupting myself to tell you something really, really important. So you listen to this podcast. So I'm guessing you would love to create more energy. You'd love to have a flatter belly, better digestion, more glowing skin, healthy balanced hormones, right? And chances are you're really struggling with that. You've listened to this podcast. You've maybe implemented a couple of things. You've actually, you're actually trying hard to make changes, but you're not seeing the results. You're still struggling with bloating. Your skin's weird. Your hormones are out of balance. Your bowels are just embarrassing. Whatever it is, I know I can help. And the great thing is, is I currently have capacity to take on new clients. I'm officially done with maternity leave. I have some great childcare, so I can take on a lot more clients, which is exciting. So if you've been on the fence about working with me, you're like, oh, I'm not sure 
will this work? Will it not? Then listen up. I'll also be increasing my prices soon as well. So if you've been wanting to work with me and you're really not sure, now's a great time to book in a call with me just so we can chat it through because it also might mean you save money as well. So if you head to keziahall.com forward slash book, you can book in your free Zoom call with me. And this is a totally chilled, no pressure, informal chat where I just find out more about what's happening. We'll chat through what your program might look like, what it is that you might need to make progress. And then you can go and decide what's going to be the best fit for you. I offer also offer installment plans in terms of payment. So wherever your finances are, there's probably an option we can find that works for you. I know I can help you. I've worked with thousands and thousands of women. I've been doing this for years. I've done loads of training, fully qualified to do this. And I would love to help you create more energy, a happier flatter belly, more balanced hormones, glowing skin, deal with any pain issues. This is what I do with clients every single week. And we could get start working together within the next couple of weeks, which is so exciting. So kezyohall.com forward slash book to book in your call with me to find out more so that you can get in before the price increase. And we could get started soon. Just think where you could be in eight weeks time, how you could feel in that amount of time. And if you like this podcast, chances are you will love working with me in this program because We'll just get you results really fast. That is the power of personalized approaches to your health and body and nutrition. Okay. I'd love to chat with you soon. So keziahall.com forward slash book to book your call. That's keziahall.com forward slash book to book in your call. I'll send you an email after the booking's made and then we'll chat on Zoom, which will be really, really fun. Okay. Sending you lots of love. So let's talk about fat. And if you've listen to this podcast, if you follow me on social media, if you get my emails, if you've ever read any of my blog articles or just been in my sphere for a while, you'll generally know that I'm I'm a fan of fat. I actually spend quite a lot of time telling my clients, telling people to eat fat, to eat fat, to not be afraid of the calories. Like fat's not going to make you lose weight, uh, gain weight, sorry. Fat's not going to be bad for you, actually. That generally speaking, I spend a lot of time telling people to eat fat. Also, the world of the, you know, nutritional fashions and fads that go on at the moment, the ketogenic diet, which I talked about in another episode, is really popular in fashion, which is all about eating fat. So we are starting to realize in general that eating fat is good for us. But it is really important that you do not eat the types of fat that I'm going to be talking about today. This is, it's a really helpful thing to talk about. And I realize I've not done a podcast on this to really counterbalance some of this other stuff that fat is good for you, but not all fat is good for you. And that's what I want to look at today is this fat that's really readily available that you're probably eating more of than you realize actually can cause you so much inflammation, can make you gain weight, can create um, inflammation in your body, affect your hormones, your your weight, your brain, all of these kinds of things. And this is a fact you really need to be aware of and uh, reduce, remove as much as possible from your diet because it'll just be slowing you down. It'll be making you feel rubbish. It can affect every aspect of your health. So that is an important thing and what we're going to be looking at. So, but to back up for a little bit, I do generally really like people eating fats, healthy fats, whole food fats. So I do want you to take away from this that uh, that you should be eating healthy fats. If you think about the fat that's in an avocado 
or in nuts or in these whole foods. Like an avocado isn't processed, but it's quite high in fat. That is a great fat for you. If you think about the fat in walnuts, for example, again, not processed. You just would take a walnut out of a tree, I imagine, and then eat it. Again, a very unprocessed fat that's going to be going on then. Even things like coconut oil, which is a bit more processed, but if like coconut meat or coconut fat, um, for example, if you just smash a coconut and eat some of the meat out of it, it's going to have quite high fat and fiber content. Great for you. So it's really important that um, we realize some of the nuances in nutrition. Nutrition, a lot of stuff that gets communicated on the internet makes nutrition look really black and white. Like everybody should be vegan. Everybody should be keto. No one should eat this. Uh, You know, it's very polarizing. Whereas the reality of nutritional science and nutrition itself is that there's lots of actually gray areas. And that's partly why it can be confusing. And when clients come to work with me, they're just a bit like, oh my goodness, I'm so confused. Like then it's interpreting the nuance and the gray areas and how much that applies to them is really complicated, which is why a lot of clients are coming to me and they're super overwhelmed and they have no idea what to eat. Like I was chatting to a potential client just yesterday and she's like, I just don't know what to eat. And she had grown up with a really healthy diet and was eating, she was telling me about all these great smoothies that she was having and all this good stuff, but actually her symptoms were getting so much worse. And now was just like really confused. She was like, I actually felt better when I was eating more junk and more processed foods than I do now. I'm eating more whole foods and, you know, just all the confusion around that. So remember nutritional science and nutrition in general is just lots of grays. It's not, and if you ever hear like a very black and white argument, it's worth questioning that and looking into it. There are a couple of just black and white things within nutrition. I mean, like most people agree, like eating vegetables <laughs> is always going to be good. There's very few things, but even the stuff like the carnivore diet where you actually just eat meat and they would argue that vegetables aren't very helpful for that. But anyway, I'm getting on a bit of a tangent here, but fats in general are things I want you to be eating more of and especially kind of whole foods fat, stable fats, which are things like saturated fats, which have um, historically been really vilified based on horrendous research and poor evidence, but healthy whole food saturated fats can be, can be really useful. So it's, and what I want to talk about today is the fats though that you want to avoid completely. Um, so let's talk a little bit about fats to begin with. Let's back up a little bit and think about what is fat. So fats are really important. They're a type of macronutrient um, that you would have in your foods. So you have protein, you have carbohydrates, you have fats. And fats, and like all the foods that we eat, we can create energy from fat. So if you have carbohydrates, you're generally creating energy from um, the glucose that you would extract from that. And essentially the same from protein as well. You can also create glucose from protein. It just takes much slower. But fats, you're not really gonna, you're not gonna create glucose as an energy source from fats, it would be more, you'd use it more for ketones, which can be really nourishing in the brain, which is why in the high fat ketogenic diet, you are forcing your body to primarily use ketones as an energy source instead of glucose. FYI, if you want to know more about the keto ketogenic diet, then you can listen to uh, my episode on that, which I'll put in the show notes. Um, 
So it's a macronutrient. Also, it's worth thinking about in terms of your body is made up of a lot of fats. And I'll come, come back to this in the episode. But your if, uh, if we think about your body is made up of lots of cells, right? So you have cells and within your cells, you have lots of um, components, should we say, that do really important jobs. Basically, you have lots of um, roles and lots of things that happen in each cell, depending on the type of cell in the body. And your cell membrane is primarily so that the, the um, let's just think the border or the encapsulating part of each cell is made up of fats. And it's a really important phospholipid layer, which is just another fancy word for fats, that helps to regulate the flexibility of the cell, what comes in and out, as well as playing an important role in certain reactions and enzymes and those kinds of things. So your cell membranes throughout your body are really important. It's generally really important that they're healthy, that you have enough healthy fats for them, that there's resiliency there, that they're not stiff. That's actually a real problem if you get very stiff um, uh, cell membranes. You kind of want, generally speaking, obviously every cell is different, but generally speaking, you want like you know, flexible, cells that do yoga, that kind of vibe. Um, And the fats that we eat can play a really important role in the health of this phospholipid layer. Also, if we think about your brain, your brain is primarily made up of fats. Um, And so fats are really, really important in the body. I know that's a really simple um, summary, but I just want to give you a bit of an over, a a bit of context really for what we're talking about. So, and within your body, you have tons of different types of fats. You have like your omega-3 fatty acids that impact the body, omega-6, you have omega-9s, like there's lots of stuff going on. So there's lots of different types of fats and your the health of your cell membranes and essentially of your body and the state of your, infl- the level of your inflammation is dependent a lot on how, um, on these ratios and how, on, on the abundance of these healthy fats. Um, And there's lots, I mean, I keep on feeling like I should go into more depth, but we would be here for ages. So let's just think your body's made up of lots of cells. Your brain is, you have cell membranes, which are the building blocks of your body, all um, encapsulated in in fats that play a really important role in protection, in creating this border, in enzyme reactions and all of these different things. So the fats within your body, the, the composition of fats within your body is really really important, which is why I spend a lot of time telling people to eat more fats, eat healthy fats. Yes, fat has a higher caloric uh, amount to it per gram. So I think it's, I'm not, can't remember if it's per gram, but say it's something like, you know, uh, four calories per gram of carbohydrate versus nine calories or something per gram of fat. I don't think that's 100% accurate, but it's roughly around that marker. So historically, that's why if you believe in the whole a whole calorie control diet, which I don't actually, as more of an intuitive eater, I don't pay attention to my calories, nor my clients' calories at all. I think it's a big waste of time. Um, that's another that's another podcast episode in itself. Um, then that's partly why people have avoided fat, why we've had this very low fat approach, because it's more calories. And if your health is just all about what calories you how little calories you can have and take in your body to to, to survive, then obviously you're going to cut out fat because it's got way more calories, more calorie dense than um, protein or carbohydrate. Um, So it's really, but it's really important actually that we realize that it's totally debunked. It's completely unhealthy. And it's really important that you eat healthy amounts of fat. Every meal that you have should have some sort of whole food fat in it. Every meal. I'm talking breakfast, 
I'm talking lunch. I'm talking dinner. Every meal should have some sort of healthy fat in it. So for example, if I, you know, with my son, he's he's only, he's nearly three. So I'll be putting MCT oil in his porridge. I will make sure there's butter in, what, I just put butter on everything and he loves butter. So he's always getting healthy fats that way. Olive oil on things, um, cheese. He only can tolerate goat's cheese. So goat's cheese on things. Um, he loves nuts. So walnuts, cashews, nut butters, all of these things are always making sure there's some healthy fats going on. Again, when every meal, so that's, that might be a first place to start with, even before we look at the fats to avoid, is for you just to think about, okay, am I having any whole food fats with my meals? And if you're not, you'll probably find that your blood sugar is more erratic. You might not be feeling as full for longer. You might be more snacky. You might eat more sugar because chances are, if you're not, if you're not, if, you know, if you're finding you're craving sugar a lot, eating more healthy whole food fats can really help, um, keep that those sugar cravings at bay. So fats are really important, but there are fats that you just do not want in your life. And these are hydrogenated, hydrogenated fats, trans fats, or I often call them with clients, Frankenstein fats. They are purely a product of processed food, of our industrialized food industry, meaning the business of food. Food is now a massive money-making business. It's really important that you remember that in general when you're looking at food, unless you are completely self-sustaining and you raise your own animals and grow your own vegetables. If you shop in a food shop, a supermarket, food means profit and it means business. It's a really helpful thing just to have in the back of your mind. You don't need to go like a weird or like cynical about everything, but it is really worth remembering that and hydrogenated fats, trans fats, or these Frankenstein fats that I like to call them, are a product of this food industry because they are cheap and they increase the profit margins of the companies that use them. It means you can, you know, using a hydrogenated fat in a product as opposed to butter or coconut oil in a product is way more cost effective. You will make way more money on that product, but it is way worse for the people eating it. But when your food becomes is primarily business, you're more interested in profit than you are in people's health, generally speaking. Um, not all companies are like that, obviously, but the big players are. And if you look at what 80% of food in the supermarket is primarily based on um, profit, not on um, is this really the best food for humans to be eating? Um, again, some of that is my opinion, um, but it, that's also just the system that we're in. Unless you are a self-sustaining farmer and have a small holding and all that kind of thing, Food is business. It's a food industry, a food business. And it's it's a massive, I mean, outside of pharmaceuticals and um, arms, so weapons, food is a, the next kind of big money-making things after drugs, weapons, and probably all the illegal stuff, sex trafficking, <laughs> drugs. Anyway, I'm going on so many tangents. <laughs> We're not going to talk about sex trafficking today, although, oh, we so should, really. Anyway. Sorry, this is where my brain goes. Um, so we're talking about hydrogenated fats. So these aren't fats that you'd ever find in nature. You're not going to find them in a nut. You're not going to find them in avocado. You're not going to find them in olives. You're not going to find them in any kind of whole food thing. They're purely the result of processing foods, of industrialization, of um, basically making fake foods that are processed foods. So um, those and these hydrogenated fats, these trans fats, we know from research, without a doubt, they are horrendous for you. And I want to talk about a little, 
of why of what that actually means. And but a great example of this is I had a client who came to me um, probably the middle of 2020. Um, really bad fibromyalgia, lots of fatigue, lots of hormone issues, um, a couple of skin issues, acne things, just basically lots of things going on. I was really fed up, still quite a young person, really fed up and just loads of inflammation. Like she felt, she would describe it like she felt like she was on fire, like her joints, her muscles, everything was just sore. She just like felt inflamed, like hot and uncomfortable and painful and everything was achy, sore, painful, hot, uncomfortable all of it, all the time, every single day. And one of the key things we did with this client was removing and getting, helping her to be really aware of where these hydrogenated fats were sneaking into a diet. And for her, it was a bit of a vicious circle because she was so tired and in so much pain. She did eat a lot more processed food, totally understandable. You know, she was trying to keep down a job that she was struggling to do because of the fatigue and the pain. Um, also was a, a mother and also was trying needing to prepare food every day. It's a, it's a lot. So she was relying a lot on processed food. No shame in that makes total sense. But it was creating this vicious cycle with this processed foods that contain lots of hydrogenated fats were fueling so much of this cellular inflammation in her body that was creating more fatigue, more pain, more discomfort. And it was kind of just this bit of a vicious circle. So for her, this was, we did a lot of things, obviously, because for her, these the issues had been going on for like 15 years. Um, but this removing of these kind of Frankenstein's fats, these trans fats was really, really important. Um, because they just will create a lot of inflammation. And I often think of inflammation like fire. It's, soft, it's like pain. It's like I can tell, I still have, this is something I'm still working on myself. Um, I still have days, I call them crash days, where I f they don't happen as often, but maybe once a month, where I just have a day where I'm so inflamed, so fatigued. It's kind of like the remnants of a bit of kind of that ongoing chronic fatigue and joint issues I had a couple of years ago um, where it's just like inflamed days. You could call them crash days, you could call them inflamed days where everything's like hot and sore and achy and tired and all of that stuff. So and with her, this was a really important thing. And it's something that comes up with clients a lot. And I would say it's just as important as dealing with refined sugar, maybe more important potentially. But I realized I've never talked about it on the podcast, so it might be a good idea too. So the first thing, why are these things bad? I mean, you could just take my word for it, <laughs> but I just want to go through a couple of the um, um, the main things of what is problematic. So, but first, before we do that, we've got to look at the different types of fat. So fat is a category and there's lots of, uh, fat is a type and there's lots of subcategories to that. So you have saturated fats like coconut oil, butter, lard, um, a lot of animal fats would be saturated fats. You have polyunsaturated fats and you have monounsaturated fats. So saturated fats, what that means is that they are very stable. So if you look at them from a molecular perspective of electrons and neutrons and all of these kinds of things, saturated fats are complete, meaning they don't have any unpaired electrons going on. I know this is getting a bit geeky, but another way of thinking about it is that they are complete. They're not looking for anything to help stabilize them. They are so totally stable. So if you add heat, if you add energy to saturated fats, the molecular structure will stay the same. It's saturated, it's stable. You can add heat, you can add wind, you can, you know, you can add things, these things, but the actual molecular structure will remain the same. Then you have polyunsaturated fats and monounsaturated fats. And monounsaturated fats mean there's one um, kind of, unpaired electron going on. So it's molecular structure. 
that has one unpaired electron, which means if you add, let's say, energy, aka heat to that, you alter that molecular structure slightly. So you alter the structure of it. And when it comes to structure, that structure means everything in the body, which it's a little bit complicated. But if you, you know, you say with a monounsaturated fat, where there's that one unpaired electron, if you don't add heat, you don't have add any other energy to it, and you take that and you eat that, and it goes into your body, the way your body deals with that, the shape of that is very different to how it deals with it when its shape is slightly altered, when that one unpaired electron gets paired with heat. Does that make sense? This is a bit of a biochemistry lesson, and I am by no means a biochemistry expert, but just this helps if you can understand this foundation, I think. And then you have polyunsaturated fats, which if you kind of are following my thought, you'll realize oh, poly means many. So there's lots more of these unpaired electrons, meaning it's a very unstable fat. It's a very unstable fat. So if you think saturated fats, it's kind of complete within itself. It's not looking for any friends. <laughs> Monounsaturated fats, it's looking for one friend. And when it gets that friend, its structure is going to change slightly. Polyunsaturated fats, it's looking for a lot of friends. And when they find those friends, its molecular structure can change massively. And when you and when you take these fats into your body, the structure, the molecular structure of these fats has a massive impact on your cellular membranes and on your body. It's, I mean, I, I don't want to confuse you too much on this podcast, but that can be a helpful way of thinking about it. So when you, when we're looking at hydrogenated fats, essentially what we're talking about when you have these fats that then get heated up often at a very, very high temperature, so you're adding energy so if you take a poly or monounsaturated fat and you add lots of high energy, obviously you're going to shift the molecular structure of it. And you also add in hydrogen gas, i.e. hydrogenated, you add this hydrogen gas at this very high temperature, you actually create a completely different category of fats. It, hence Frankenstein fats. You kind of create a Frankenstein when it comes to fats. It's not naturally occurring. And so you, whilst this fat can look um, on the surface to be the same as sunflower oil or whatever, its structure is very different. And therefore, when you eat it, how that impacts your cell membranes and how that gets absorbed into the body is very different and very, very problematic. So it's this high temperature and the addition of this hydrogen going on that makes these fats super inflammatory, essentially. So these, and that means these trans fats, these hydrogenated fats, they change the configuration of your cell membrane. So your cell membranes has a very specific um, layering and composition of fats that we talked about briefly. And these trans fats completely alter that, which means they block certain enzymes that are necessary for metabolism. And a lot of the time I got taught at uni that there was stiffening. These trans fats are, just make your cells much stiffer. They're not as like loosey-goosey and flexible. They're no longer yoga cells. They're like, 
stiff, rigid, and that can cause a lot of problems. It blocks certain enzymes, it impacts metabolism. Um, also, your how your body can handle these trans fats, it, it, it basically means it really struggles and it takes a long time, really long time for your body to metabolize and use and um and yeah, metabolize these fats much longer. Um, about, I think it's uh, maybe like five times longer than just a normal healthy fat. They also really increase inflammation. So trans fats, when you have these tra- hydrogenated fats, these trans fats, these frankincense fats, all the same words for one thing, you block the certain prostaglandins in the body, type one and two prostaglandins for everyone cares, which you probably don't, which are derived from these omega-6 and omega-3 fats, um, and which can be quite helpful. So essentially, because you block these type of prostaglandins, you prom- these are the things that help fight inflammation. So you block the things that fight inflammation, but you also feed the things that increase inflammation. So you get it from both sides, and that's partly why they can massively increase inflammation because you stop some of the healthy, nice anti-inflammatory activity, but you also fuel this more inflammatory activity as well, if that makes sense, in a really simple way. Obviously, if you were talking to a biochemist about this, they would would do a much better job, but I wanna, it's helpful to understand how this works. I find it helpful to understand the, the mechanics of it because otherwise, I often think sometimes like diet, all the unhelpful dieting culture and, unnes- and uh, um, unhealthy restriction around food often comes from not actually knowing what is happening to our body. It, can, it just becomes very emotional as opposed to very factual. Like if we can just think about these trans fats just as what is happening cellularly, then for me, it really helps me to have less of an emotional thing about it, if, like, and if I'm restricting them, it's not about like, oh, should I, shouldn't I? I'm a good person, I'm a bad person. It's got nothing to do with my worth. It's just to do with biology. Like I don't want to create inflammation, so why would I eat them? It's very no drama. And that's often how my brain works. And so they increase a lot of inflammation. So those are just a couple of things, but it's increasing inflammation. And what like what does this mean for you? Is mean more inflammation can mean more weight gain, more hormone imbalances, poor energy, brain fog, mental health issues, all of these things. So everyone actually needs to be careful of these, but especially if you're struggling with any sort of inflammation, joint problems, thyroid issues, weight that you can't seem to shove away, any gut infections, digestive issues, mental health issues, you really don't want to be adding any more inflammation because if you've got those symptoms, any symptom that's going on is essentially on a broad big picture scale, your body saying, hey, there's a lot of inflammation and you really don't want to add fuel to that fire of inflammation that's already going on. And these trans fats, these hydrogenated fats are 100% like pouring gasoline on an existing fire. And they, they'll start a fire themselves, just in and of themselves. It's like they are fueled to a fire and they are a fire starter, <laughs> if we want to think about it in that way. So the next question obviously is, what, Kezia, what foods have this in? Tell me, what are these foods? And Again, if we think about them being not unnatural, them, if you think about trans fats being the product of industrialization and not industrialization, but our food industry and the, and the business that is now food, it comes in processed foods. So margarine, margarine is horrendous for you. It, like don't, you know, if you go dairy free, please do not switch to like a vegan butter. No, that honestly, 
please never have margarine. Um, processed foods in general. If you pick up a food that has anything like rapeseed oil, sunflower oil, um, vegetable fat, um, heights, often it might even say hydrogenated vegetable fat, any processed food, cakes, biscuits, all of these thang- things will often be like dairy free, but they're actually got tons of margarine in and are just terrible for you. Deep fried foods, anything deep fried, unless you're deep frying something at home and you know you're using a saturated fat like ghee or coconut oil or lard. Could you imagine deep frying something in lard? Wow. Um, Unless you know that you're deep frying food in a really stable fat, if you're at a, a restaurant anywhere, takeaway, if it's deep fried, it is covered in saturated fats, uh, sorry, in hydrogenated fats. Um, any vegetable oils, sunflower oil, vegetable oil, rapeseed oil, canola oil, um, even like these things like sesame oil or even like walnut oil or other nut oils. Again, they are either monounsaturated or polyunsaturated. So when you add heat to them, you change the molecular structure. Now, if you were to have cold pressed um, rapeseed oil and you never heated it up, then that's not going to necessarily be hydrogenated fat. It is still going to be a fat that is very high in omega-6 fatty acids and can be quite inflammatory on its own, but it's nowhere near as bad as hydrogenated fats. In general, I'm not a fan of vegetable oils at all. Like I don't use a lot of rapeseed oil, even if it's cold pressed. I don't use like cold pressed sunflower oil. Like it's very rare that I would do that. The only vegetable oil I'd say would be okay would be your olive oil. Again, if you don't heat it up. If you heat olive oil up at a very high temperature. Again, you change that molecular structure of things. So things that are good to cook with or to use at high heat are things like ghee, coconut oil, lard, um, tallow, these kinds of more saturated butter, these kind of things. Um, so it's in vegetables, it's in deep fried foods, in margarine, it's in processed foods, shop-bought mayo, um, anything that's like dairy-free, processed vegan and processed often are going to be filled with processed fats. It's so much better to use saturated fats that are more stable or just healthy whole food fats rather than these processed things. So what does this mean? The first thing is it's really important to take a deep breath and just know that you can do what you can do, if that makes sense. Um, and I, in an ideal world, like hydrogenated fats promote inflammation. So there's there's no amount of them that is good for you. If we're just if we're just looking at the nutritional science, and we're just looking at biology, there's no amount of hydrogenated trans fats that is good for your body. It's a bit like alcohol. Like there's no amount of alcohol that is quote unquote good for you when it, you, we look at the, your biology. So that's worth knowing. But making change from a fear or from a shame foundation is really unsustainable and really really unhelpful. So in listening to this, you've got to take a deep breath and just think, have a think about all those foods I've mentioned and was there that that contain hydrogenated fat and is there a food that you are regularly consuming, maybe on a daily basis, that is actually a source of hydrogenated fats? That might be mayonnaise. You might just have a bit, just a wee bit, just a wee bit of mayonnaise in your tuna or a wee bit of mayonnaise with something or, uh, and it might be that maybe you have margarine because you don't get on well with dairy and you just have a bit of margarine. Maybe you have, um, you consume like an oat milk or an almond milk. It's often snuck in here a lot with clients and the ingredients has sunflower oil in it or rapeseed oil in it. That is a source of hydrogenated fats, especially if you're heating it up, especially if you're going out to like a bar, um, a coffee shop and you're getting like an oat milk latte. If you're using barista oat milk, it's going to have sunflower, um, 
sunflower oil in it or rapeseed oil in it, source of hydrogenated fats, part of how you get the foam and the froth and stop it from curdling because you need fat. That's why milk works so well for coffees and you get that nice latte from cow's milks because it's got a high fat um, composition to it. So think about where at the moment are you getting these hydrogenated fats? And this is something I'm still working on. So if I'm going out, I'll often have an oat flat white. So I know I'm getting hydrogenated fats there. Um, other ways that I might get it would just be, um, or like maybe even some gluten-free breads will have vegetable oil or rapeseed oil in, that kind of thing. So that would be a source of it. And that's, so for me at the moment, I've realized, okay, the more I've looked into this, the more I've realized this stuff is so unhelpful for me and my brain and it doesn't make me feel good. So I'm slowly unpicking it. So for me at the moment, I'm not bothering with the whole takeaway coffee thing. So I love a takeaway coffee and it's too depressing. I don't like Americanos. So I'm just letting that stay there for a while. But I am working on um, making my own gluten-free bread again, just getting back into swing of doing that. I used to do it. My son now eats a bit more bread, but he doesn't eat gluten and I'm needing to eat a bit more carbohydrate actually just to feel better. I've been realizing that. So I'm just experimenting with, instead of buying gluten-free processed foods, some of which will have these hydrogenated fats in, I'm just focusing on getting the gluten-free flour mixes and just, I mean, making the easiest gluten-free bread ever in the world and experimenting with doing that. Or if that doesn't work, I'm just going to budget in spending more money on more artisan expensive loaves of gluten-free bread that don't use these kinds of processed, highly processed fats. So your action is think about where are you getting them? Maybe you have fish and chips once a week. That will be a massive hit of hydrogenated fats, no matter how healthy you are. Remember what I said before, it can take five times longer. It's something like 102 days, three days for you to, like that you can still be suffering with the inflammation of that hydrogenated fat. I'm pretty sure it's a really long period of time. So maybe having those fish and chips once a week is just like, or that Chinese takeaway, you can, and it's not because it's bad or you're bad for doing it, but it just kind of means you're not getting the benefit of all that healthy food potentially you're eating the rest of the time. And I know this is a real balance from a mindset perspective because yes, you should feel totally free just to have that takeaway when you want it or totally free to have those fish and chips. And we don't want to make those food bad because they're fun and great. But the reality is this is what happens to your biology when you eat them. So you get to decide how you want to feel and what you want to do. Okay. This isn't about a food being better or worse. This isn't about you being good or bad. This isn't, you know, this is actually about how do you want to feel? And yes, yeah, sometimes I totally do pick foods that I know have vegetable fats. And I do have takeaways. I know there's a lot of hydrogenated fats, but I weigh it up and I don't make that bad. I'm just aware of what's happening in my biology. So I really want to share this podcast with you just so that you're aware that and, and that you're like, oh, Kezia says eating more fats is really healthy. But if you're eating more of these kinds of fats, you'll actually feel much worse. And an action that I want you to look at is just think about how, what's your intake of these foods at the moment? And is there one thing that you could just easily swap. Maybe you just thought that margarine was better for you because it was lower in fat and you, you're not, you know, you feel well, fine with dairy, then just switch back to butter. That could be a really easy thing. Maybe you cook with sunflower oil or rapeseed oil at the moment. You could just switch to coconut oil or to ghee. Like, like that could be a really easy thing. Maybe you actually really like Americanos and so, and you're not that bothered about oat milk lattes or whatever or you you you've been having oat milk lattes because you think it's better and actually you know you might have a little coffee shop that does organic on homogenized milk near you it's actually potentially going to be less inflammatory to have the milk than it is to have this oat hydrogenated fat which I know is controversial <laughs> but you know 
potentially much better from that perspective. So where are these foods, where are these fats infiltrating your diet? And what simple thing, what one thing could reduce your intake of them? Really simple. Don't make a big drama about it. Maybe you start, like years ago, I stopped buying mayonnaise and I just started making a really quick one minute mayonnaise. If you just Google search one minute mayonnaise, you'll see recipes come up. Honestly, it's a total game changer. You can literally make mayonnaise in one minute. It's the easiest thing in the world. So that's what I do now. When I want mayonnaise, I just make my own. It takes a minute, super easy. So just making these small shifts can really, really add up. Okay. I want you to feel really good. I don't want you to be inflamed. And like that client, you know, with that client, when we started to remove all these processed foods, she got her energy back, her pain massively reduced. She was able to exercise, her skin cleared up, all of this stuff, just because we'd started to remove some of these things that were really contributing to the inflammation that was happening in her body. And it made such a difference for her, especially with that more chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, and just all that fiery inflammation that she felt. This was a huge part of shifting that for her. So I hope this has been helpful. Don't be afraid of these foods. Don't make yourself bad if you eat them. Just It's just helpful to know what goes on in your biology and you can make a really empowered choice around them. Instead of potentially you're eating foods that you think should be doing you good and are actually making you feel worse. That would That's the worst when that happens. So I hope this has been helpful. Let me know any questions you have. Otherwise, I will speak to you soon. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I'm so glad that you are here. And if you're looking for more in-depth, personalized support, then remember, I'm currently taking on new clients so we could get started working together super soon. So head to keziahall.com forward slash book to book in your call with me and we'll just chat it through what it looks like, what it would look like for you and answer all of your questions and you can decide if it's a good fit. So head to keziahall.com forward slash book book in your call with me and we can chat super soon on zoom which would be really fun it'd be like a podcast but where you can reply <laughs> which is always fun so i would love to chat with you so head to keziahall.com forward slash book and we can just chat it through this is a really chilled informal chat no pressure no weird weird sales techniques just a chat on zoom and feel free to bring a cup of tea okay i look forward to speaking to you soon bye